0: Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Brusky from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to, probably on a regular basis. So, if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support.
1: It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at Real Ghost Stories online.com
0: your support is what keeps our show going plus we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of real ghost stories online jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in and exclusively for EPPs more than 30 full episodes
1: Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air.
0: Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you.
1: Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855-853-4802. Or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown, and quite possibly, the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
0: And on today's show, a couple finds a night in historic B&B to be anything but a restful getaway. Three friends decide to revisit a location that was the site of dark ceremonies, only this time they're able to communicate with something that is not living A mother and her son in law gain a mutual respect for each other after a paranormal attack in the backyard. And two women find they are unable to enjoy a traveling museum exhibit because something is chasing them. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski, she's here today.
1: I'm here. Hi.
0: Hi, how are you?
1: I'm better than I was. You're doing better? My fever is lower.
0: I said in the last episode, I wasn't sure if you're going to make it to the next episode, but...
1: Oh, why did you do that? Because I didn't know. Oh. You I made just, it sound like I was on the verge of death.
0: Well, actually, half of the episode, I pretended I was you. I So I, I did like your voice and my voice. And then midway through, I'm like, oh, by the way, that's really not Jenny. It's just me doing another voice.
1: I'm sure nobody suspected that. I'm kidding. I
0: didn't do that at all. <laughs> But I <laughs> no. should have tried that. I should have like done a phone call in, because uh-huh. dis- when you disguise the voice on a phone, you can do a little better job. Not that I would sound anything like you. It'd be even more funny if I like. And then Jenny's on the phone today. Hey everybody? Jenny.:
1: Yeah, <laughs> Different
0: accent and even lower <laughs> voice. And just, 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 and then just play it completely straight about the whole show
1: I have learned I will never make fun of you For whining about a cold Because karma is a bitch They and suck And it got me
0: Yeah, they're not fun
1: I think I got this strictly Because I made fun of you For whining
0: <laughs> It was a ghost That did it That's right Actually, it just came And infected you So that's, uh, that's how that All worked out I'm glad you're here it was, uh, it was interesting Doing a show by myself It's been a while
1: Yeah, it but, has been
0: uh, But I got through it I had, I had some conversations With myself
1: yeah, you s- say to yourself, self.
0: <laughs> I, I did for a little bit. Uh-huh. And uh, then I I kind of beat myself up a little bit, cried a little bit, um, and then talked myself out of crying. And that's kind of the episode. It was like about 40 minutes of just sobbing.
1: It sounds like you came full circle.
0: And then I came out of it and then read a ghost story. One. Wow. And so it was like 50 minutes 55-minute podcast, 45 of that was me sobbing.
1: All right. I will never be <laughs> sick again. I promise.
0: <laughs> Anyhow, welcome back after your one day of sickness. Yeah. Um, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. You all probably already figured that out, though, because you're probably regular listeners of our show. If not, that's our phone number. You call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and share your real ghost stories with us. We would love to hear them. Of course, you can also subscribe uh, on the, the website, realghoststoriesonline.com uh, Your support, of course, keeps us on the air So so we have the EPP program for That's bonus episodes Check that out, click Become an EPP Read all about it And if you like it, uh, consider supporting it And keeping the show going Let's kick off the show today With a letter from uh, Claire Claire writes in Hi, Jenny and Tony First things first You make all of my insane tasks fly by Laundry working out, cooking, getting ready in the morning, etc. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. I just discovered your podcast about one month ago and have been uh, catching up on random old episodes. I'm devastated as I just listened to a a post-Thanksgiving episode from last year when you told your listeners that you would be venturing down south to Savannah. You invited listeners to contact you if they were in the area. Well, guess what? My husband and I live in Atlanta proper and frequent Savannah. We totally could have shown you around.
1: That, that would have been, been nice. great. Yeah, yeah. that would have been fun.
0: Well, we did have a good time in Savannah and Atlanta as well. We, we spent a day in, in both. So we'll probably be going back there again sometime. So uh, keep listening. Yeah. And, and we usually let our, our, our audience know about where we're going to be traveling to. So do reach out uh, in the future. And uh, maybe we could uh, hook up there. We could go and have another uh, $14 uh, Captain and Coke at the uh, Pirates' house.
1: <laughs> that was a once in a lifetime experience. Wasn't that, though? No
0: one's there at all, and a man dressed as uh, it Captain was Morgan.
1: Kind of sad, you know, because it's such a yeah. historic place. I think their prices probably run a lot of people off.
0: I think you're probably right, and the reviews that we were hearing were just not all that wonderful. No. I mean, it's. It's the type of place I think that would be a good candidate if the show was still on for Kitchen Nightmares.
1: Kitchen Nightmares?
0: Yeah, Kitchen in uh, the Gordon Ramsay show. Oh yeah. Where it's like you have a great location, you have all this history. The locals hate you. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of some tourists find you here and there. Um You know, I don't know. I mean, it would be neat. I I hope the place survives because it's so interesting and unique.
1: It's been around since 1753, I believe. So I think it's going to make it.
0: Somebody will, if if this venture of it fails, it'll turn around and whatnot. But anyhow, uh... Thank you for for that. Uh, Anyhow, we uh, we know all about the best food and haunt spots. Well, there we go.
1: I know. That would have been fun.
0: Yes. Uh, You must contact me if you find yourselves down this way again. We will. In the meantime, though, here is a Savannah story to pique your interest. About six years ago, as a Christmas gift, my in-laws gave us a gift certificate to stay in a beautiful, historic bed and breakfast in Savannah. My husband and I have never been to Savannah before that, so we were so excited to see what all the fuss was about. We uh, couldn't wait to wander down the cobblestone streets, draped in Spanish moths, eat amazing southern cuisine, and patronize the antique shops. The bed and breakfast was just beautiful. Every room was appointed uh, perfectly. The innkeeper was so kind. We are uh, at uh, finger's reach from, uh, from house wine and cookies. After a long day of sightseeing and spa treatments, my husband and I crawled into our comfy feather bed for a much-needed night's rest. I fell into a deep sleep, And didn't move that entire night until we rose the next morning. When I woke up, I woke up crying. It is important to note that I am not an overly emotional person. In fact, if you really know me, you know that I hate to cry. When I cry, I get migraine-like headaches that last for days. This will go to great lengths to avoid crying at all. So completely out of my control, I literally woke up crying. My husband was quite startled by this, as he knows I am not a crier, let alone a sleep crier. He immediately reached for me, very concerned, and asked what was wrong. I couldn't stop crying, and I just said I had the most horrible dream. I'm so upset. I'm just so upset. I had the most overwhelming feeling of despair, pity, and helplessness that I just lay in bed in his arms until I cried out all of my tears. When I was finally calm, I was able to speak. I told him what I had dreamt. I dreamt that I was walking through a wooded area. I came upon a little boy, about six or seven, and I knew that I had to help him. I had to keep him safe from his mother. I had to hide him away to get him to a safe place. That was it. No disturbing imagery. Nothing bad actually happened. I just awoke from this dream, feeling drained and in despair. Although I was no longer crying, I was very solemn. We got up and got ready for the day in silence and made our way to the proprietor's breakfast. We had homemade scones, rich coffee, and fresh fruit. Everything was beautiful and charming. My spirits were beginning to lift, no pun intended. We started to uh, chat up the innkeeper about this and that, how long he had owned the house. Did she know the history of the house? And of course, were there any resident ghosts? She took in a big breath and said, oh yes, we have several spirits here. We inquired about them enthusiastically and she told us about the Victorian lady who was seen in the front window. The man who checks on the guests in room such and such. And then she paused and said, Now, which room are y'all in? Ooh, you have the little boy. He doesn't appear to guess in waking hours, though. He comes in certain, uh, f- certain female guests in their dreams. I dropped my fork, and my smile melted into a look of stone cold dismay. My husband and I did shifty eyes at each other across the table and back to the innkeeper. She calmly informed us that around the turn of the last century, the woman who lived in that house took her young son out to a creek in the woods and let him drown and die. Ever since any woman who is a mother or is of a helping occupation, nurse, teacher, psychologist, who stays in the room, will dream of him asking for their help to keep him safe. I wanted to cry all over again. Not a mother, but I have a background in psychology. I love children and I'm definitely inclined to help those in need. We left that day back to Atlanta. It was quite a ride back to the city. My husband and I had no idea what to say to each other about what had just happened. We've been back to Savannah on several occasions, but have never ventured back to that house. I do not feel that I am properly equipped to help that little boy and fear that getting too close to that realm might be harmful within this realm. My husband and I have prayed for him, though. Perhaps your listeners could also pray for him. Thank you for all that you do, Jenny and Tony. Sincerely, Claire.
1: You know, it's interesting that she felt so overwhelmed because of seeing this boy. It's almost like she knew that it wasn't going to end well for the boy before she even heard the story from the innkeeper. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, was that emotion that she was feeling you know, somehow he was bestowing upon her or is that something that she was picking up from maybe the mother who was having the regret of doing that? I just, I find that part interesting and fascinating.
0: You know, I, I think a way to describe it and kind of make an analogy on that is it's almost like a computer downloading information. Yeah. You know, you, the, the individual, who clicks on a a, a document mm-hmm. and downloads it does not need to read age of that document uh, in order to download it. It downloads you mm-hmm. click on it, yeah, you usually have an idea of what you 're downloading um, and that 's kind of what she had in her knowledge base of an idea of what was the story was or his story was. If that document has a virus attached to it, you don't need to read the code of the virus to be affected by it. And essentially, that's kind of like what that was. There was so much more to what came into her that was emotional, did not need words to be spoken of for her to be affected by it. And that's what was really affecting her more than anything.
1: I think that's an excellent analogy. Thank you. I really like that. No, I, I completely agree. When you put it that way, that makes perfect sense. And I think that, you know, that's probably the case in a lot of the the hauntings or the situations that affect you that you find out later why. Mm-hmm. It's a download. I like that.
0: You just get overwhelmed by emotion and you don't know why.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think it's, it's just those emotions all... For whatever reason, they're able to just get into you and your senses are able to make sense of them subconsciously, but it's way too much to just comprehend at one second in time, but it's all there. Sure. And that's what overwhelms people. Yeah, so very interesting story. And, yes, we will take you up on that next time we're uh, we're in your neck of the woods. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Elizabeth Wrightson. Hello, Tony and Jenny. I'm writing in to tell you about one of my many paranormal experiences I've had while living in my 1940s apartment in Humboldt County, California. I've had a couple of experiences in this apartment, including paintings flying at me and hitting me from across the room, waking up in the morning with my front door open, and that my radio never works inside the house. I've lived in this apartment for about six years now with my sister. We'll call her Sarah for the story purposes. We live alone since the apartment is pretty small, only having two bedrooms, a bathroom and a living room kitchen, one room, kind of a deal. Now that you've got a basic picture of what the apartment is like, I'll get started. The bathroom sits in between Sarah's room and my own room, and the doors are almost always left open, so we can talk to each other or, when needed, throw things at each other. The doors open in towards the bathroom from both sides, and you can't see who's going into the bathroom from either side as they close the doors. One night, around 10 p.m. or so, I heard Sarah open the door to the bathroom from her room and go inside, shutting the door to my room after her. You can't see who it is going into the bathroom, only a shadow in the crack of the door frame, so I assumed it was just Sarah taking a shower or using the restroom. Nothing out of the ordinary, as this was a nightly occurrence. Anyways, after about a half an hour, I went into the kitchen to get something to eat, Startling when I walked past the open door from the kitchen to Sarah's room and seeing her sitting on her bed with her laptop out, I asked her, Did you just go into the bathroom? And she told me no, that she thought I had gone in and closed the doors. The bathroom doors were still closed and we could see the shadow moving under the door. We were pretty scared and ran outside to the front patio area and stayed there for as long as we could. We could. We came back inside. Both of the doors to the bathroom were wide open, and all of the toiletries were thrown around the bathroom on the floor. We spent the night at my friend's house that night. There was no way we could, we were going back inside while it was dark. Thank you guys for reading my story. I have many more to write in and tell you all about these apartments, and me and my sister's experiences. Have a nice day. Keep up the great work. I really enjoy the show. And plan on becoming an EPP as soon as I have the funds.
1: Elizabeth. Okay. The imagery of the shadow moving around under the door. Mm-hmm. That is terrifying.
0: That's a very creepy thought.
1: It is, because you don't know if there's actually, like, an intruder in there. Or if it's a ghost, either way, it's, it's terrifying, especially when you go back and then the doors are open and your stuff's everywhere, but there's yeah. nobody in your house. How do you deal with that?
0: The, just the idea of you look out your door and, or you see beneath that crack and there's something moving. Yeah. And you know pets are all down, can't get out. Kids are down, likely not to be up. You don't hear them. You just see something moving. Mm-hmm. What do you do? I mean, I think naturally in most cases, unless you have like a, a case of a residual haunting that's going on and on and on and on, the first thing, the first time you have some of those experiences is intruder. Sure. You think somebody is, is in the house. But then when you go to investigate it further, and it's just toiletries that are messed up. Why? I mean, that's not an intruder-like
1: no. No. thing to do. No, but I can just see that. I, and maybe it already has been, but I can just see that being a scene in a horror movie mm-hmm. as the doors are closed. And then all of a sudden you see the shadow go by and you hear that like screeching sound that's in every horror movie that terrifies you when you hear it.
0: Because I know from the future, uh, now that we've talked about this, you are now going to look underneath our bedroom door uh, <laughs> out of out of fear and curiosity.
1: <laughs> or I won't, or I will refuse to look under any doors.
0: I just want to tell you that... um, Because we recently changed the floor in our bedroom because we had this horrific carpet that was, you know... It was so gross. Yeah, the former owner had, like, dogs and such, and, uh, well, they liked to use the bedroom uh, for purposes other than, uh, you know, laying around. So anyway, we got rid of that carpet, and we just put some hard floor down. Um, If now that that is there you mm-hmm. can now see underneath the crack of the door This uh-huh. carpet used to kind of protrude sure. up and you couldn't really see out um, as you walk through the bedroom and I've noticed this myself in the first couple of nights I kind of stopped and was like what because <laughs> outside of the door is also a hardwood or, or a hard not hardwood but it's a hard surface out there um, and if we have the hall light on it does reflect a bit and it, you can see the outside light underneath the crack there For whatever reason, there's a shadow that is cast there. And as you move, it also moves. Okay. I just want to tell you.
1: Okay, so it's not something that's going to get me.
0: There's nothing moving out there. (laughs) Because I I first thought that. I'm like, what's going on? But if you glance that direction with all the lights off and you see the whole light through the bottom of the door, you'll see a bit of a shadow in like kind of the middle. And then Uh as you walk... Perspective-wise, it also moves. And you think, it it looks like the shadow is also moving, but it's really not.
1: And the floor on the other side, outside our room, is super shiny. So it's going to reflect any little bit of anything. Sure. So...
0: I just want to tell you, in case now tonight you're like, oh, we talked about that, and then you glance over there like... (gasps)
1: I tell you what, Did as you see we something move? go with the show, uh, mirrors and now under the door, off limits. Well, I,
0: now I know what it is. I'm not even remotely concerned <laughs> when I look that way. But I just I just kind of glance that way. I, I just make sure the door is shut. You know, that's all I do. But then I started noticing that and it was like, what? Uh, yeah, but
1: that's all it is. Thanks for not telling me and freaking me out.
0: I should have been like, oh my God, do you see that?
1: Then I would be so mad at you for so long. <laughs> He'd be in so much trouble. No. That's
0: why I didn't. I just waited till a story brought it up.
1: hmm
0: Then I can make an analogy and share with you that way. <laughs> and then if you decide to murder me on the show, there's an audio record of it. So, there we go. I
1: never said I'd kill you. <laughs>
0: yet. 855-853-4802 is a phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com and uh, share your ghost story with us that way. Whatever way you choose to share your story with us, we greatly appreciate it. <laughs> what?
1: Nothing. You're what?
0: looking at me strangely. Tanner writes in. Oh, it's not Danny Tanner. Hi, Tony and Jenny. I came at, which by the way, do we,
1: we talk about that tonight? I think we've already hit the Full House Or did house we talk highlights. about that like this
0: in our own conversation? No, I'm pretty
1: sure it was here on the show that we already talked about Full House coming back. So
0: excited about that. All right. It was like my favorite show when I was a kid. Anyhow, Tanner writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I have a dog named Comet. I no. Can- <laughs> I came across your show when I was uh, finally out of things to listen to during work. Thanks for keeping me sane while I work. You guys are the best. Anyway, my story begins. My best friend Josh, he and I have been friends for about five years now, and I'm still good pals. I always knew something was special about Josh. I later found out about his special connection with the other side. He was able to connect and was able to feel them where we were. Josh was always a firm believer of the paranormal, and he finally found a way he could talk to them without using a Ouija board. He didn't particularly like Ouija boards because he said he wasn't comfortable with the spirits having to feed off your energy to talk to you. He thought about divining rods. Divining rods are copper rods that you hold by your sides and it has an L shape to them and you hold them and you ask questions to spirits and they're able to answer you by saying only yes or no with the rods. When you hold them you ask a question and if they say yes they'll swing towards the inside of your body and if they say no they swing out. It honestly is hard to explain if you aren't familiar with these. I'm positive you can find videos or pictures of them online anywhere, but he uses these many times to talk to spirits he felt weren't harmful. But one night he was determined to find something that was demonic. Being the idiots that 18 year olds are, we set out to find something that we would later regret. We lived in a nice part of town in the suburbs of a nice neighborhood where not a lot of bad things happen. Josh told me about this unused sewer canal that he came across while hiking around on the outer parts of town. He immediately felt something evil coming from the dried-out cement tunnel, and he decided to explore inside. He walked in for about five minutes, and his phone flashlight wasn't providing enough light anymore because the light of the sun had been swallowed out by the darkness of the tunnel. As soon as he decided he had seen enough, he decided to turn around and continue his hike. He came across something that would be integrated into his head for years, or ingrained in his head for years. All over the wall, he saw upside-down crosses and strange writings that were spray-painted with red. As he stepped back, he noticed he was standing on a pentagram that was also spray-painted into the cement floor of the tunnel. But the part that scared him the most and sent him running... that he saw in the corner two decapitated chickens that had been obviously used in some sick ritual as soon as he saw that he decided he had seen enough and ran as fast as he could out of there he was 16 when he came across that and it had been two years so he told me that it would probably be all right to go back thinking that maybe the people in that tunnel doing demonic things had most likely left and maybe found a new spot for their evil services My friend, also named Tanner, agreed that it was probably okay to go into the canal because we felt, since we lived in such a good neighborhood, it was totally bogus. So the three of us got into Josh's car, drove out to the spot where you leave your car and have to hike into the desert. Only took us about ten minutes to find the canal. And soon enough, we had our phone lights on, walking through the spider-infested tunnel. took a while to walk into the tunnel to find the spot that Josh told us about and every step I took I could feel my heart beating harder and harder soon enough we could see the pentagram I thought Josh made up the whole story but there I was looking at the upside down crosses and the red paint that resides on the walls there were no chickens there which gave me a little sigh of relief Josh then proceeded to pull out his divining rods and began with a standard question are there any spirits here it answered yes Chills ran down my spine, and I already already felt the room getting darker. Are you a boy? It answered no. Are you a girl? It then answered no. Then and there, we knew we weren't in the presence of a once-living human. The spirit was demonic, for sure. He then asked, are you at peace? then answered no. I felt like I couldn't breathe. He asked a few more questions that I honestly can't remember to save my life he finally asked are you here to harm any of us the rods then swung in telling us yes right then and there i had to get out of there i told josh to stop and to put the rods away and we got out of there faster than ever none of us talked while driving home and we haven't talked about it since that night i tried to sleep but it was impossible i felt something staring at me and watching me watching me while i lay there in bed I remember staring at the corner of my room, knowing something was there watching me. I never saw anything that night, and finally fell asleep at 4 a.m. as soon as I woke up. I read my Bible, prayed again like I had done before, and I had slept. I haven't felt anything since, and I'm glad I haven't. Some people might think Josh was probably moving the rods on his own. If you've ever... Held divining rods, it's hard to keep them perfectly still and be able to move them left or right without moving your hand. I watched Josh the whole time, and his arms and hands didn't move once, and there was no wind in the tunnel. And even if there was, it wouldn't be able to turn in and out at the exact same time with each other. Well, that's my story. I'm sorry it was long, but thanks for reading it. I'm so glad you guys created a platform where people can share collective stories. And not be judged. Love the podcast. I'm planning on becoming an EPP very soon. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Take care. Love you guys.
1: I think that's really scary to just go with a friend someplace to a site that you thought was not real. Mm-hmm. And then come to find out it is real.
0: I wonder if the back of his mind, if he did really feel that it was real. hmm. You know, he was kind of talking himself down, feeling, uh, you know, uh, just to get himself there. Sure. You know, eh, probably nothing, and then bam. Everything but the chicken.
1: Right. And it makes you wonder how much of what he felt like followed him was psychological versus something actually following him. Sure. Because I don't know if the feeling of being watched and the other, you know, things that went on continued... Or if it was just that night while everything was so fresh in his mind?
0: It's a good question, and it's a hard one to answer. It's kind of one of those that he individually has to kind of take a look at.
1: But I do think decapitated chickens would make a great band name. How
0: often do you think there are people out there who kind of want to half-ass practice some sort of sick ritual? You know, like they're not really truly into what, you know, there's some hardcore people who really know what they're doing with these rituals and Mm -hmm. such. Um, and they know what they're doing and they know how to do it correctly. And there's plenty of idiots out there who go find a book, go read a blog or read something online and go, I'm going to go try that. But they have no idea where to get a real live chicken. How often do you think rituals like that are performed? Using a bucket of KFC,
1: never. No, I'm so or or,
0: or the rotisserie chicken from the grocery store, and, and I'm being serious. I'm 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 talking people who don't know what they're doing. And I'm not talking the hardcore who are into it, who who understand their practice and and all of that. I'm talking the average idiot who. Is I don't know seventeen years old, and goes I'm going to go be a Satanist today or whatever. Okay. And they they just kind of think well the next best thing is the rotisserie down at the gas station, and it's already decapitated, and then they take it out there and they toss the rotisserie chicken. I mean I'm (laughs) it's bizarre, but I I have to wonder.
1: I don't think it ever happens. I I think think it does. No, I think even the most idiotic of 17-year-olds is going to understand that it's the killing of the chicken that makes that part of the ceremony. It's not going to work if the chicken's already dead and basted in lemon and basil for you. (laughs) So that's not going to work.
0: What if it's basted in sage?
1: No. What if
0: it's a saged chicken?
1: I think that that is only something that... You would conjure up in your mind to ask. I don't think it's ever happened in the history of performing satanic rituals. Has somebody gone and gotten KFC or, or a rotisserie chicken for a, for a, for a satanic ritual?
0: Is that a sentence? That's something or a, or a that, conversation you thought you'd ever have. No, to have in your it's life. not.
1: It's not at all.
0: We're going to get a call or a letter in the next week now from from like a police officer or something who's investigated some sort of scene. And, you know, they ran across somebody trying to do something like this. And they're going to be like, yep, we found uh, the rotisserie from the pump and pantry over. okay, (laughs) Underneath the bridge off Highway 41.
1: I want to hear that story from that (laughs) law enforcement officer that, that had to go on and investigate that.
0: It's going to happen.
1: Because I seriously doubt if anybody has ever tried that, that they're going to call in, oh yeah, I tried it.
0: No, they're not going to call in, but there's going to be like someone who has like come across the remnants of it, of like pentagrams and
1: KFC buckets. a lemon
0: basil chicken from the gas station. Okay. <laughs> we found the, the bag of the the chicken and there was like a side of mashed potatoes right out
1: I think that goes down as one of the most idiotic things we've ever discussed on the show. Sound
0: idiotic? I, I'm, I'm I, the person it's
1: completely who would, idiotic, <laughs> even if you suggested it.
0: The person who would do it is idiotic. I am just pointing out there's idiotic people out there, and I'm wondering if this has ever occurred.
1: Oh, let's talk about something
0: else. Okay, Michael writes. <laughs> Just wait. Dude, just wait. You're the one who curates the stories, so you have to be honest if one of these comes in.
1: I had no idea you were going to go down that path with that story.
0: No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if one of these stories comes in, if if somebody actually writes in now and says, Yes, I'm an officer, or whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this actually happened, you have to bring this to the table. You can't like wipe this under the rug and go, I'm wrong.
1: No, I will. I will.
0: Okay. I'm curious. We, we might get one of the... I'm, I'm, I don't know. We'll see. Next week, let's talk about it. Bring up the lemon basil chicken satanic ritual. <laughs> we should name the episode that. Lemon basil chicken satanic ritual. Michael writes, in, thank you for sharing my first story. It came as a surprise that I heard it while getting ready for work at 4 a.m. in the morning. This experience also takes place in my birth country, El Salvador, but it happened prior to my birth. I'm 22 now, and my siblings... So approximately uh, in the late 80s, it occurred to my father when he and my mother were beginning to start their life together. They were matrilocal, so they resided in the home of my mother's parents. And within the first days, my father would sleep in the backyard, not only for the respect of my grandparents and that of my mother, but also because my grandmother didn't particularly fancy the idea of him residing in the home. Plus, he also hated the alternative of sleeping in the couch and always enjoyed hammocks and uh, preference and uh, common lifestyle habit. Our backyard wasn't big per se, but it was spacious enough to have an open and deep storage facility where my mother generally had a collection of plants against the wall shelves, kind of like a walk-in botanical garden at the time. The random boxes of clothes or unused household things in the bottom parts. Across the storage storage space in the center hung a long hammock, which we kept there whenever days or nights got too hot. Other than the times when we would uh, hang it on the nearby trees, which we had at a longitudinal back uh, wall side of the uh, backyard's soiled ground region should add that the main walkway at that of the storage were all tiled and we had two bulldogs at the time and random turtles that would wander the ground soil regions where all of our trees were. On this particular occasion, my mother had gone into an argument with my father and like any other night, he took his place in the outside hammock. Am I saying hammock correctly now these days? You are. Yeah.
1: It doesn't sound weird like it used to sound when you'd said hammock.
0: My Wisconsin version of hammock, which was hammock,
1: yeah, that's that's just messed up. Let's get a hammock.
0: My dad, my mom got my dad a hammock for Father's Day one year.
1: I'll never forget how hard my mother laughed at you when you said that in front of her the first time.
0: Yeah, I kind of cried in the corner for a little while. Yeah. yeah. My mom got my dad one for Father's Day, and it was one of those, like it was like the not connect to a tree, but kind of like how you hang a a swing on a porch. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like two little metal, like a metal bar holding yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a green one. I think he got it like, you the know, or something. And uh, it was funny. My dad would go out there and nap on the porch every now and then. That's cool. And he would snore really loudly and scare <laughs> the wildlife. <laughs> During the night, he said he was awoken by rustling in the trees. The one he emphasized was the largest tree we had, which sprouted mangoes and basically overshadowed the whole backyard, sounding as if something was jumping from branch to branch. He didn't think much of it and tried to continue his rest. He then said that he heard scratching, as if something was scratching against the tree's trunk. He again assumed nothing of it and figured it was the dogs trying to catch something or doing their business. During the period that he had gone back to sleep, he woke up once again to find that he was slowly spinning in circles, as if they were turning the hammock from both ends, initially trapping him within the hammock and making it further uncomfortable and difficult to break from. As it grew tighter and began to cause him pain, he clarified that there was no wind and, even if so, not strong enough to literally turn his body in circles within the hammock. He automatically assumed it was my uncles, my mother's younger brothers. They were all around their 20s and had a reputation of, in layman's term, hazing him into the family. He called out for them to stop and that the joke was over, but stated that something felt really wrong about the whole situation, especially due to the fact that neither one of the dogs had made a sound as he looked through the air holes that all common hammocks have. He realized he couldn't see anyone at all at either end as the hammock continuously spun. My father was a Christian, so at seeing this, he began to say his prayers, and within the first phases he realized that the hammock began spinning the opposite direction and slowly but effectively loosened enough for him to free himself and crawl and stumble away from the storage and towards the iron door that led inside the home. He had stated that this was a difficult task due to the heavy weight he felt over his whole body, And realizing the door was locked, which was something that was never done when he slept over, he began knocking, which quickly turned into pounding while he kept asking to please be let in. Whenever anyone knocked or hit the backyard door, it was like a thundering, echoing sound around the whole house. Eventually, my mother and grandfather opened the door because both assumed he was just messing around or was going to give some excuse to go inside because of the prior argument and due to the way he was pleading to be let in. My grandmother basically ordered them to let him in right away. When he stumbled into the living room shaking, part of them didn't take him too serious because he was also generally not the type to behave like that. And at this point, my uncles were all downstairs and gathered around. My grandmother, to everyone's surprise, broke path through all of them and immediately told my uncle to take him to one of the upstairs bedrooms. She had quickly seen his condition trembling, sweating, and pale. We all knew she was very sensitive to these things, but she never truly openly acknowledged it, or pondered much on the idea. She took the position of caring for him, warning everyone to keep their space as to avoid whatever that had come to him from trying itself to any one from tying itself to any one of them. The days that followed afterwards were told by my grandmother, mother, and even my grandfather of my father's high fevers and very ill state, both physically and mentally. He was basically deteriorating. In time, however, his health and normal state began to resume and everything went back to normal, including the relationship between my grandmother and father, which changed into mutual respect. Of course, he no longer slept in the outside hammock. Nobody did, for that matter, after that night. Much later, when the story was shared with me and others, the time had eventually healed the occurrence of that night and my grandmother shared her own personal encounter in the backyard when they had recently moved in. My mother shared hers as well, after the birth of my younger brother at the time. We unfortunately have been in an eerie hot spot of things occurring to us in various ways, shapes, and forms, but have become comfortable enough to share some of these encounters and experiences with you if further interested. I love hearing your podcast at any chance I get. I'm an active listener and soon hope to become an EPP as I found that listening to these stories and experiences has settled a deep discomfort in myself towards my own complex sensitivity and abilities that I've derailed my train of thought from. Thank you, Tony and Jenny. Continue your great work.
1: That's a heck of a way to start out a new marriage. Yeah. I really... I'm glad that it strengthened the relationship between Michael's dad and his, you know...
0: The mother-in-law? The
1: mother-in-law, but... That's one heck of a way to do it.
0: It's interesting. I mean, it it, it truly says, you know, that the mother-in-law knew exactly what was going on right away. And he wasn't just like, hey, let's continue the argument. You know, it was, there was something there that she knew about. Yeah. And in no way am I insinuating that she was like part of it or trying to bring it on. No,
1: she just experienced something that made it...
0: She could relate.
1: Right, relatable. And And wanted to... I'm just glad he got to sleep in the house <laughs> from then on. Yeah,
0: I mean, I guess, I mean, it's one of those occurrences. I mean, albeit paranormal, which, you know, anytime you go through a struggle, I mean, it and, and you can make it through it, it does tend to make the relationship stronger. So maybe it's one of those things that just happened for the best, you know, yeah. between them. If there was kind of a weird animosity there, maybe the darkness actually did some good inadvertently.
1: Yeah. Could be. I just don't know that I'm gonna think of hammocks the same way anymore.
0: We should get one. No. I'm just going for it here. No. That would be fun. <laughs> we could do the show from hammocks.
1: That's so bad. No, <laughs> we're not gonna do that.
0: I can't say I've ever been comfortable enough in a hammock to fall asleep. I know a lot of people are like. I have a friend. My friend Manny has a hammock mm-hmm. in his backyard, and in summer he talks about it, and he's like, "Oh, I just go back there and I." just, you know, have a book and I fall asleep. Well,
1: his wife posts pictures on Facebook of him snoozing in the hammock. I I don't... Number
0: one, I'm not one that can easily fall asleep. Right. I mean, it needs to be like dark, dark, even during the day. I'm one who years ago when I was doing overnight radio would like put tin foil up on my windows to darken because those shades were not good enough.
1: Yeah. And...
0: So I mean, the idea of going out in the middle of the day to nap in the sun, or even like under a shade tree, I wish I had that ability.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: really do. I wish I could be someone who could go outside, go to the beach, you know, the Kansas beaches sure. around here, or just go in the backyard on a lawn chair or something and just relax and and fall asleep. Can't do it. I can't. My mind will not let me. I'm just. Going. I know.
1: Your mind never shuts off.
0: No. I and mean, even at night, I have to, like, decompress to a certain level mm-hmm. to, to calm down. But damn, I wish that I had that ability.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe a hammock is the key.
1: <laughs> I don't think a hammock's gonna fix it for you. I've
0: never felt super comfortable in a hammock, anyhow. Have you ever lit in a hammock and felt really comfy?
1: Uh, yes, really? I actually have. Yeah, growing up, our neighbors had one. And it was a great big nice hammock yeah. and I remember getting up there and that was fun but yeah, I, don't I never fell asleep. Maybe
0: every hammock I've laid in is just maybe it was a cheap hammock. I don't know. Like the one my dad had was solid fabric. It was a solid green fabric. It wasn't your traditional um, you know laced pattern Yeah, if you will like ropes uh-huh. and every time I've laid on one of those that I've had the opportunity to I've always felt like the ropes were like digging in different areas and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I just could never quite get comfortable. Like, it was fun. I was like, oh, this is kind of neat. Maybe I just have been in bad hammocks.
1: The hammock that I was really comfortable in was a rope hammock.
0: Maybe I just need a good hammock.
1: Uh, maybe so. I don't
0: know. I'm going to look for a hammock.
1: Is that a Father's Day hint?
0: I don't know. I don't know. Do we have trees? Do we have trees that could probably support You can support get a, a
1: stand, a stand for a hammock.
0: I think some of the trees out back could probably
1: support No, you. no, there's no trees in our backyard that are gonna hold your butt in a hammock. What are you saying? I'm just saying it's not gonna <laughs> hold anything in a hammock.
0: I think there's two trees back there that could hold me in a hammock. Those are big trees now.
1: (laughs) All right, we'll get that hooked up, and I'll get the camera ready so when you climb in your hammock and the trees both split in half... Today,
0: Tony was killed by two trees falling on top of him as he tried to use a hammock.
1: Yeah, it's going to look like a tornado went through our backyard. Nope, it's just Dad trying to use a hammock. Hammock homicide. There you go. It'll be the
0: first episode of the show that you do 100% by yourself. (laughs) And Tony came and haunted me today after he was killed in the hammock.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: (laughs) Coming this summer to Real Ghost Stories Online. (laughs) April writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I've just started listening and am making my way from the oldest to newest episodes. Just finished an older episode, and you and Jenny were talking about whether or not the Titanic had any hauntings, so I wanted to share a quick story with you. In October of 2012, my childhood best friend flew out to spend two weeks with me in Arizona. We were determined to visit as many haunted houses as possible. I managed to get through 13 in 10 days. We drove to nearby Las Vegas since she had never been there. While visiting the aquarium at Mandalay Bay, we learned that they had a Titanic exhibit. Both my friend and I love history, so we jumped at the opportunity. We went to buy tickets for later in the evening and found out that they had a ghost tour. We arrived that night for the tour. Turns out that the ghost tour is basically just the last tour of the night. The guide walks you through and just tells you stories like, one of the workers says that this picture falls off the walls every night, and -and so-and-so swears that this spot is always cold. It was pretty corny, but I was fascinated by the actual artifacts that they had from the ship. Around midway through the tour, my friend and I fell back from the group as we wanted to read the inscriptions on the plaques and spend more time looking at the artifacts. Towards the end of the exhibit, you enter a room that is built to resemble the deck. You walked through a swinging door with a porthole to enter the room, and if you were to continue walking, you would exit the room through a similar door. To the right of you, it was made to look like the side of the ship with lights shining through the windows, as to the left of you was a railing. The railing side of the ship was completely black and opened into a small area. It gave the appearance that you were standing on the ship and that you could lean out over the railing. They created stairs into the ceiling, and the wall with tiny twinkling lights. The point of this room was to show you how completely dark it was that night. My friend and I ended up standing at this room for quite a while, just discussing the ship and the people. After a while, we realized that there were no more people coming through the doors and that we were probably the last people in the exhibit. We entered the next room that had a large block of ice and video playing. We were again the only ones in the room, we stood there talking for a few moments and out of the corner of my eye I saw movement. I turned to look and realized there was an older man standing there. We both looked at him not really sure where he had come from since there was no way he could have entered the room from the entrance or the exit without us knowing. He didn't say anything but he just looked at us and then let down the, or left down the exit hallway. After he left we started laughing at each other and saying how creepy it was that he just sort of appeared, and how there must be a door behind a curtain on the wall or something of the sort. We left the room down the narrow exit hallway and entered the next room. This room had another video and soft music playing. In the center of the room, there was a glass case that held dishes that had been pulled up from the sea floor. My friend and I were looking at the dishes and the other exhibits when suddenly we heard a very loud and deep male voice The word was drawn out a bit, and it sounded more like "leave." My friend and I both froze and looked at each other from across the room. I asked her, "Did you just hear that?" She looked at me with a horrified look that probably mirrored my own face, and responded, "What did you hear?" I think we were both in shock and, quite honestly, disbelief that we what we had just heard. We tried to justify it and said maybe it was someone over a microphone. We both knew it wasn't. To me, it sounded like it was right in my ear. It didn't come from any particular direction. We wouldn't have been able to determine where the speaker had been standing because the voice seemed to have been everywhere at once. We both realized that if it had been from a loudspeaker or some type of audio device, that it was not from one that we had ever heard. There always seems to be an echo or feedback from an audio device, like I said. And this had sounded like it was right in my ear. As we were standing there pretty much dumbfounded, I saw my friend's face drain of color. I saw that she was looking at something behind me. I turned around and saw the same old man standing at the entrance of the room. The same entrance that we had just walked through a few minutes earlier. Once again, he just looked at us and then backed up and turned down the hallway. There's no possible way that we could have walked down the narrow hallway and into the second room without us seeing him. There's literally nowhere that he could have hidden. At this point, my legs grew a mind of their own, and I pretty much left rubber running out of that room into the last room. The last room contained the largest piece of the ship that had been pulled out of the ocean. It is a part of the outer shell and sat right above the water level. It is complete with the original windows and rivets, and is quite a sight. I've wanted to see that piece. Yeah. I didn't realize it was in that exhibit.
1: Yeah, it's in Vegas.
0: I've been to that exhibit, Mm-hmm. never went through it, because I've been to some of the other ones, and thought, oh, that's the same one I've seen before. I didn't realize they had that piece there.
1: We'll have to do that next time.
0: Yeah, I really want to see that piece, because it's a huge chunk of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, It was in Chicago for a while, another time I should have gone and seen it. Anyhow. The room empties into the gift shop and we pretty much ran into customers as we left the exhibit. The employee at the counter looked alarmed and asked us what was wrong. We started laughing and told them what had happened and that we must have freaked ourselves out listening to the ghost tour. The employee looked confused and asked more about the old man employee that we had seen who had gone back down the hallway. We didn't really have a good description of him, but that, wa- that he was wearing a black type of shirt and had white hair and this was creepy. Obviously we pay a lot of attention to detail. The employee got the attention of the tour guide and had us repeat our story. They both looked at each other in confusion and then told us that the oldest employee working there was a woman in her 40s and that none of them had white hair. They also confirmed that they had known we were the last guests of the exhibit and that their policy was to allow the guests to stay as long as they liked. She said they had one guest that made them stay uh, stay two hours after they had closed and they were not allowed to ask them to leave. They also confirmed that they did not have any loudspeakers or security cameras set up in any of the rooms. While we were in the gift shop, they sent another employee through the exhibit to find the man that we had seen The employee came back and said that it was clear that all the guests had left. I can't say for sure what we experienced was paranormal, but I can say that it completely freaked me out. I'd love to go back and visit the exhibit again, especially to really look at the last room with a piece of the ship, rather than running past it thinking we had a ghost chasing us. However, next time, I'm going in the middle of the day when there are lots of people.
1: So... I think that there's, to me, no question that it was something paranormal. But the question is, okay, was it something related to the ship? Or did it just happen to be somebody that was haunting that exhibit? Because it didn't sound like he was of the time period.
0: Did they describe the clothing?
1: He just said he was wearing just a dark shirt and had gray hair. You know, hmm. and that's one of those things that... If he had been kind of of that time period, you'd know it.
0: Well, she did say that they do pay attention to a lot of detail.
1: No, she was being sarcastic. Oh. Because she said that, you know, he had gray hair and was creepy. And she said, obviously, we pay a lot of attention to detail. Okay. I
0: was actually reading it as like she paid a lot of attention to detail. No, she
1: was being sarcastic. Oh, I missed that part. Yeah.
0: Okay. Because I was going to ask, you know, could we get a... Uh, clarification there
1: probably not and Um, I don't think I'd want to stand there and take notice of what somebody looked like when they're chasing me I'd just be running
0: the thing is though, a lot of clothing of that time I mean mean, depending on what you're talking about here Mm -hmm. but just your average I'm putting on clothes for the day I'm not putting on clothes for a a gala or an event or something Mm -hmm. not super descriptive fairly plain Yeah. If you will, in a lot of cases. So could it have been a ghost wearing his comfies, (laughs) if you will?
1: In theory, yes. But I think they would have picked up if it looked like it was from a different era. Because even just a regular shirt and pants from 1912 looks different than a regular shirt and pants from, you know, however long ago this was, 2012, 100 years later.
0: Can ghosts change their fashion? Can you change what you're wearing as a ghost?
1: We've talked about that. And, and, and that's kind of something that I think our audience is split on. Yeah. Some believe yes, and some believe no. Mm-hmm. I really think that this was a paranormal event, but whether or not it was tied to the ship, I'm not sure on that.
0: I don't know. I mean, it's... You think old manning, you think Titanic, but there were so many people who died on that ship that were not old. Yeah. So... Um, but you also think, I mean, what hotel did you say this was at now?
1: It's at Mandalay.
0: Okay. Cause it used to be at the, the Luxor. Yeah. Next door. Um, it's in terms of Las Vegas, a fairly recent hotel. Mm hmm. It's not part of old Vegas, fairly new property prior to it being there. It was a desert. Mm hmm. Yeah, lots of people come and go. Sure, there's a lot, of, lot of energy potentially there. I'm just trying to think of history of you know, I, don't, I just I had the feeling it has to do with the ship. Okay. I don't know why. I just I don't know.
1: Well, that's one of those things we'll probably never know unless another listener has a similar experience and can give us more detail on what the man was wearing.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear more. If anyone else has any, if anyone else has any more ghost stories about that exhibit.
1: Mm-hmm. Which
0: inevitably there will be. Yeah. So, if you have a ghost story about the ghost exhibit at Mandalay Bay, please write in or call us. We would love to hear it. Interesting stuff. Yeah. It's, it's like documenting a whole new chapter in the life of Titanic.
1: Yeah, it is. It's just, that's kind of like visiting a grave. So some of it, it's hard, the feelings you get to determine whether or not it's paranormal. Sure. Because it's just so emotionally overwhelming. mm mm-hmm.
0: Do you think it could be something that is maybe following the individuals that go through this? That, that they have a paranormal entity that follows them? And with all the emotions that are there within those objects and just the setting itself, that it becomes like a battery to bring that out? And it have, has nothing to do with the ship? but just something that has to do with those people that are having something following them?
1: I don't really think so. No? No, I don't really think so. I think if there's something that's following them, they would have known it beforehand. Okay. For one reason or another.
0: I'm just thinking being such a supercharged area. You know what I mean? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. Very interesting to uh, begin the, the conversations of ghosts of titanic and not just in you know the the metaphorical sense of oh it's a creepy ship that's at the bottom of the ocean but the exhibits that go around and we're hearing the stories that follow them i think ghosts the
1: more stuff they bring up the more stuff we're gonna hear like this
0: it's neat i love being a part of that just being a titanic (laughs) dork my entire life being able to be like part of sharing the story yeah. is really kind of exciting so interesting so if we have more on that let us know 855-853-4802 of course you can write it on the website realghoststoriesonline.com and if you like the, sh- the show please consider supporting and helping to keep us on the air becoming an EPP 33 bonus episodes go out to you instantly when you sign up video all sorts of uh, exclusives for you as a thank you and the satisfaction of knowing that you are keeping this show On the air. Until next time, for Jenny Bruschi, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.